Hey guys, welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. It's Kayla and Marissa. And this week we read Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Engie. I know we're a little late to the party with this book. I think this book came out in 2017 and it has won a ton of awards. It's a really big hit, but we wanted to read it and it just did not disappoint. Actually, I think Marissa, you picked out this book. Why did you pick out this book? Uh, well, we were going for spooky thriller October, and from what I knew about this one, this was supposed to be like a little bit dark, maybe a little a little twisted. And I mean, it's called Little Fires Everywhere. Like, it also starts off with a bang where a house just like is burning to the ground. So I was like, yeah, this feels kind of spooky. And maybe it's not actually spooky, but I I liked it. I thought it was a good introduction to our thriller October. It eased us in there. It wasn't like gory and all those details. We'll get there. We'll get to the bloody murders. But yeah. it was a good intro. <laughs> no, it was it was a good book. I, The writing was really good. And I'm sure Marissa is going to go on and on about the writing because we all, we all know how much she loves writing. I brought this book with me to yoga class in the beginning. And this girl in the class I didn't even know was like, oh my god, great book. And I was like, oh, like I... <laughs> I said thanks because I forgot how to communicate with humans, but um, I was like, I'm so sorry. I just don't probably forgot how to talk to humans. I'm like, yeah, it's a really good book. I'm halfway through. But so many people have read it, and there's a show based on it, so I am going to watch a show after this podcast. Maybe. If I don't rewatch Emily in Paris, because both are very good options. I hope it's close to the book. But I guess we should probably dive into what the book's about. Marissa, um, do you want to give a synopsis? Oh, uh, sure. I'm just going to read off the back of the book, though. Giving a synopsis for a book like this is hard without just giving everything away. So, curious what the back of the book says, actually. Anyway, this was, oh, this was named Best Book of the Year. Look at that. Okay, synopsis. In Shaker Heights, a placid, progressive suburb of Cleveland, everything is planned, from the layout of the winding roads to the colors of the houses to the successful lives its residents will go on to lead. And no one embodies this spirit more than Elena. Wait, is it Elena? It's Elena, right? Elena? (laughs) I guess you can go pronounce it either way, Elena or Elena. (laughs) I will keep you posted, I guess, when I watch the show. (laughs) So every time we say Helena, we also have to say Elena. <laughs> One of the two. We aren't hundred percent sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call her Mrs. Richardson. <laughs> okay. I mean, she's referred to that enough in the book. I actually didn't even know her name was Elena or Elena. Anyway, (laughs) um, and no one embodies the spirit more than Mrs. Richardson, whose guiding principle is playing by the rules. Enter Mia Warren, an enigmatic artist and single mother who arrives and they have a disregard for the status quo that threatens to upend this carefully ordered community. Suspicious of Mia and her motives, Mrs. Richardson is determined to uncover the secrets in Mia's past, but her obsession will come at an unexpected and devastating cost. So Little Fires Everywhere explores the weight of secrets, the nature of art and identity, the ferocious pull of motherhood, and the danger of believing that following the rules can avert disaster. Is it bad that I kind of like Shaker Heights? I like it too. (laughs) It just sounds like a cute little town. (laughs) I think it would be so cute for pictures on our bookstagram. Like everything's planned. There are probably cute street lamps and benches and like, yeah, it sounds really nice. I like how you can't paint your house colors that will clash with other houses. We probably sound like crazy people. 
I mean, those those are crazy rules, and but I feel like I get it. I kind of grew up in a small town, as much as I live on Long Island and near New York City. It's like a really small town feel. Like my parents went to my high school here, so I feel like I got the vibe. Yeah, because I know how like what it feels like. Everyone I went to school with parents with the high school, my parents. So, like everyone knew each other. There were no secrets, but we didn't have rules where you could paint your houses certain colors, and <laughs> we were allowed to put our garbage out in the middle of the street. And <laughs> that was yeah, a crazy I, rule. That yeah, I didn't grow up in like a small small town, but I grew up in suburbia, I guess you could say. And when there were HOAs, my parents would always complain about the rules, but rules are good. Rules keep people in place and they make your life more ordered. And maybe I identify with Mrs. Richardson a little too much on that front. No, I love rules. I was never a rule breaker. Whenever we were younger, we went to this place called Woodlock in Pennsylvania and I wasn't tall enough to ride these go-karts. And my cousin, it was like winter, so you had to wear big jackets anyway. So my cousin put put her hair on a bun and put her hood over it so she can get past taller. And I was so scared to do that that I refused to. And it literally was just go-karts. Like, nothing probably would have happened. I was like two inches too short. But I was like, no, I can't break the rules. Can't put my hair in a bun. <laughs> so, so In conclusion, I miss this what you said. <laughs> no, I am. Um, I feel that because on my recent road trip with Lily, Kayla, the entire way, Lily would be like, Marissa, it's the highway. You can go 10 over. I was like, I was like speed control set to three over. <laughs> yeah, so we're not rule breakers, but that's okay. I guess we can kind of start off by saying who was your favorite character Ooh. and why? I think my favorite character was Mrs. Richardson. There weren't, in my opinion, like that many characters, but at the same time, there were a ton of characters. Like, you know, there's Trip and Pearl and Mia and Mr. Richardson and the people with the babies, (laughs) whoever they were. But I just liked Mrs. Richardson. I don't really have a good reason, except that I felt, I don't know, maybe I just identify with her because she's not a rule breaker. She does things by the books. She loves her children. She loves her family. She's got a good career. Like, I don't know. She's just kind of a normal, like, powerful woman, and I liked that. I liked her. I didn't like the way she treated Izzy, and I feel like that was, like, the point. She, I feel like she mistreated Izzy because she was always nervous about her, and uh, there's a lot that went into that relationship, but she was just so mean to her all the time. Yeah, I was glad, though, that there ended up being a reason. <laughs> Not that, like, it's good that she was mean to Izzy, but just up until that point, I kind of didn't really identify or like most of the characters because I was like, okay, all these people are actually awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then you find out, like, she wasn't actually mad at Izzy. She was just scared she was going to lose her baby all the time. And so that's, like, why she acted out. And she just reacted the wrong way but at least it was coming from a good place i guess <laughs> i think my favorite character is moody is that the boy yeah <laughs> tbh i forgot all their names he was the uh, um the younger of the brothers and he was the one who had like a thing for pearl and like besties of pearl um, yeah but didn't you think he stunk of desperation yeah but he was just so adorable he was so pining over his best friend And he just, I don't know, I mean, he was pretty mean at the end of Pearl, but I get it, like, he 
Mar- he was like smitten with her since the minute he like heard about her, like rode his bike over there and everything. And I think he just had no friends. He was like the the not cool brother. Yeah, that's true. I like. I kind of liked all the kids. I liked all four of them. I even liked Lexi, although she kind of came off with an annoying vibe. I kind of liked her, and I felt so bad for her in the end, like during the whole thing. This book really touches a lot of big very I guess like controversial topics like it touches abortion it deals with custody battles it deals with race it, in the um, beginning I was kind of hard to follow what was going on did you have the same issue or I just maybe I just wasn't in the mood you always text me be like I don't think you're gonna like this book and it makes me not want to read the book <laughs> <laughs> why did I say you weren't gonna like it I don't remember you tell me like the past three books and I'm just like <laughs> Stop telling me I'm not going to like it because I'm not going to want to read it. <laughs> uh, but you liked Atomic Love a lot, and I didn't. Um, and you liked yeah. this okay. Before Atomic Love, you're like, you're going to hate this book. <laughs> like, you're like, I don't like it. I'm like, oh, my God. why? You're not helping me want to read this. <laughs> Whoops. This uh, one, this I think is... you said you, I wasn't going to like it because it wasn't happy-go-lucky. Yeah. it's. It wasn't just that, though. I think, too, it's. There wasn't a plot, like there was a plot, but there wasn't a plot. There was just so much character development almost. Like the whole story was just talking about each character, uh, which I thought, I, like I loved the writing of the story. It was so captivating to me, but I hated the plot. That's why I said I didn't know if you'd like it because for me, what was appealing was the writing and not so much the story. It definitely wasn't my favorite book, but I do acknowledge this this is a really good book and it's really good writing. And she touched a lot of subjects that could be controversial in like a, in a good way with like, and it kind of changes people's viewpoint in a lot of things. Like even towards the end of the court case, I was like, like in the beginning, I was totally saying with Mrs. Richardson. And at the end I was like, maybe like I, I was changing my mind on a lot of things. And I thought it was like, I thought it was a perfect like English high school, English book. Like it's a really good book to overanalyze every chapter and talk about every issue and like bring things to light. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite book. I It didn't give me the warm and fuzzies inside. I didn't love the story, but it, I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I'm part of the... I'm, I'm here at the party now. I know what everyone's talking about. Everyone has read this book, and I don't regret reading it. It was a really good book. It wasn't my favorite, but I think it's just because there wasn't a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, there really wasn't. You could argue, I guess, that BB kind of had a happy ending because she was reunited with her daughter but like that honestly wasn't even a happy ending because like who wants to be on the run in china for the rest of their lives and never able to you know live peacefully that made me so sad that she stole the baby i yeah i mm, i was pretty mad i mean i'm gonna be pretty mad at anyone who leaves their child in the snow on the doorstep at a fire station but stealing a baby is also pretty bad (laughs) I just think, like, everyone's like, oh, give her another chance. If no one found that baby, it would have died. You don't deserve a second chance because your first chance, you... It wasn't like she can recover from it. It's not like she... It was just like she left a baby in the cold, in the snow. Like, it would have died if the the other family didn't take her in. Yeah. No, I'm glad you feel the same way. Because for me, when you endanger another human's life, you don't get a second chance at that. You left your baby... And, and you left. Like, that's it. You don't get a second chance 
at that relationship or that human life because that is a life that <laughs> deserves more than to be left in the snow on the doorstep of a fire station. And then the Collins loved her so much. I felt I so know. bad for the McCollins backstory. But I could see why this book is like the perfect TV show book because every chapter is someone's backstory. And that you can literally dedicate every episode to someone's backstory and like uh-huh. have these really epic stories. I feel like every character had this like really big development chapter. Like I remember like I think Mia's was like three chapters long. Yeah. Also, yeah, no. Mia's move there with her whole child thing was awful. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Mia at all. I'm glad because I don't know why I felt like a reason you would like Mia. I liked Mia more at the end when she left the pictures for each of the Richardsons because it kind of showed that even though they were so different from her and she didn't agree with them on anything and they clashed and like Mrs. Richardson even called her out, she didn't have any hard feelings towards them and maybe even respected each one of them individually in their own way. And I liked that. I think that's a good message. But all in all, I hated her. She's the worst. Um, Don't interfere with other people's parenting and don't steal people's babies that you promised and like took money for. And like, I don't know. I just I have issues with that. Maybe that's just me. But don't do those things. (laughs) She really pissed me off when she told BB about like the McCollins baby. Like that was just none of your business. Mm-hmm. You you weren't even you weren't at the party. You didn't see the child. It could it could have not been Bibi's child, but like yeah. you your place wasn't there, and that made me mad. But yeah, I just feel like she put her two cents in when it wasn't needed. But after the whole abortion thing, I felt like she redeemed herself a lot because she cared for Lexi. Yeah, that was sweet. But I guess another thing I'm mad about is the whole Lexi putting Pearl's name down at the clinic. <laughs> I like knew when that happened, Mrs. Robinson's gonna see this and like this is gonna backfire on Pearl. Like I called it. I feel like anybody could have called it though. Yeah. I what's funny, so I told you this. Um at around 130 pages I skipped to the end because I just like I needed to know where it was going and how it was gonna end. And so I read the last three chapters. And so in the last couple chapters or whatever. Izzy confronts Lexi about the abortion and says, you know, they they thought it was Pearl. And she's like, oh, well, Pearl was fine with me using her name. And then when I was actually reading the book and he got to the part where she used Pearl's name, Pearl was not fine with her using her name. Uh, which I was like, okay, Lexi, you can't just use someone else's name when you're doing something like that. Not like a real person anyway, someone you know. like fake name. Like, she could have used <laughs> any name in the whole world. <laughs> yep. She could have been Jane Doe. No one had to know who it was. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that kind of made me mad. And I knew it was going to backfire on Pearl. Like, I just called <laughs> it from a mile away. But I do think the book was semi-predictable. Yeah. I mean, not the backstories. The backstories, like, the whole Mia and, like, taking Pearl and all that stuff was, like, kind of crazy. I did not see that coming. Yeah. But the who's at the fires, you kind of saw coming. And there's so much emphasis on, like, teenagers having sex. I saw someone getting pregnant. Especially because, like, pregnancy was, like, a big theme before that. I was like, this is going to happen. And then the whole Pearl thing, I'm like, okay, this is going to backfire on Pearl. 
Yeah. And I feel like we saw the whole trip and Pearl coming about. I think I also look at movies and books like that where I'm like, okay, I'm going to predict what happens. But I know I feel like it was fairly predictable. Yeah. Um, the ending, the part I cared about most, I had no idea who was going to end up with the baby. That was unpredictable to me. That I mean, that was like a 50-50 gamble. But, like, I never imagined the McCollins or whatever their name is, McCollins. Is that like a Twilight reference to the Collins? <laughs> whatever their names were, the suburban people. I didn't have any inkling that they might win the baby and then it would be stolen from them. So that was shocking. I had a feeling they would win, but I was very shocked when it was stolen. Yeah. I thought for some reason, whenever I was reading that chapter, about right after BB lost the court thing and she went to Mia's house. Whenever, I forgot what the word is saying it was. I don't have the page with me. But I thought almost that BB was going to kill herself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was it like says, really dark. It says something like uh, Mia didn't really know what to say to her and she decided to be silent. And BB took that silence as giving her permission to go ahead and do what she was going to do. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to kill herself. Like, Mia needs to say something. And then she went and stole the baby. And I I was just, like, in shock. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, my God. And I, like, reread it, too. And I was like, okay, am I reading this right? Like, is she going to – is she really going to do it? Are they going to say it? Or, like, are they just being abstract about it? And then – BB was just like staring at the house, and then it was she was a goner. But I yeah. hope the McCollins get their baby after all. I was kind of surprised that they would get another Asian baby because I thought that would be too painful after what had happened with loving Maribel so much. Like I just thought that would be too painful. And then too, the whole thing about BB taking the child to China, and it's once they're there, you can never find them. I was surprised that they specifically said they were getting a baby from China because I was I hope they're not just like trying to replace Maribel. Like it's like when people get a dog that looks exactly like their old dog. And I'm like, that's kind of creepy. You should get a different looking dog. I don't know. That's what I related it to. But I do hope they get a child and I hope nothing happens because that really broke my heart. It just the whole, uh, it just made me so sad for them. They've been trying to have kids for like 10 years and then they finally get a child and just ripped away from them this And they loved thing. her so much. It's not like they didn't love that baby with all their hearts. That, that was their baby. I just am so get sad thinking about it. Like, I just feel <laughs> so bad for these fictional characters. I know. I know. I, I felt the same way. I felt they were the most real people in the book actually yeah that was really sad so what did you think about mia's backstory i i don't know i didn't i mm. (laughs) 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 okay so she's not her parents favorite child and she goes off to live her life against her parents wishes like i get it i didn't have a problem with that I kind of had a problem with her just cutting her family out of her life, stealing these people's baby. <laughs> like, you know, I had an issue with the big things. I felt bad for her because her brother died and that was really hard and she didn't feel like she could be around her parents because 
they were like, how could you give up your child? But then to go and steal the child, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. I don't feel like we saw the progression of her going from, this is just a child I'm carrying as the surrogate, to this is the baby I want. It just, to me, the book just kind of skipped from, I'm a, I'm carrying someone else's baby. Oh, just kidding. I'm going to take it and run. Did you feel the transition? I feel like it was only her brother's death that really made her change her mind. Because yeah. I think his words of saying, I don't support this, was her deciding factor like, once he died that like she's going to keep him. But question, was it purely a surrogate or was it her child with the father's uh, contributions? <laughs> <laughs> I was confused because even for the time period, I think they could have gone somewhere and had it done what's funny too when you think about it the reason they chose her was because she looked just like the mom <laughs> so it was like they specifically chose her so the baby would look like theirs but at the end of the day for a minute <laughs> i thought oh, like oh, are they gonna bang like, are, like <laughs> and is the wife gonna watch <laughs> how many times do they have to do that I really was so confused during this part because I like I'm at home in the guest room and I'm like this book is taking a really weird turn and <laughs> she was she was wearing a robe <laughs> yeah and he was wearing yeah they got this plush robe I'm like they're gonna do it and she's gonna watch <laughs> uh, yeah no I thought her story was just like kind of wild and she had some people who influenced her and also I just I get being like too pride and like and wanting to support yourself and wanting to put yourself through college but she didn't have to do the whole surrogate thing like she was basically the child of pauline and mal i feel like she also could have just lived there and got money from them and i mean i know it's a pride thing pay back take a loan yeah yeah, I, I feel like yeah. the surrogate wasn't the answer in the situation. It didn't really make sense. She seemed like she had her life pretty much going for her. And then it was just like wild. Also, the whole staying away from her family forever. She didn't need to do that once she had a child because her parents were mad at her for giving up her child. But once she kept her child illegally, you had to go see your parents. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Was it a pride thing, a stubbornness thing? Does she just hate her, like, hate her parents? Like, I didn't get that. She didn't make sense to me. She was just all over the place. And I I felt bad for Pearl because she grew up constantly moving, living out of a car. And I just was like, what's going on? Like, how can you do that to your child? But maybe people do that. Maybe I'm just too sheltered. And two, you realize she kidnapped Pearl from her biological father. He had a right, in my opinion, to know his daughter, and Pearl never knew her father, and now she's 16 years old, and she probably always wondered about her father, and she had no idea that whole time that she'd basically been kidnapped. <laughs> and her mom made her leave Shaker Heights without even saying goodbye to her boyfriend or her friends. Yeah. And wait, so did they just take Izzy with them? No, 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 no. Izzy got on a bus and was going to Chicago, maybe, or New York or something. She was hoping that somewhere along the way they'd run into each other again, that maybe she could connect with Mia's parents or the lady in New York and see if somehow she could connect back with them. But basically we concluded that Izzy's never coming home again. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. My, you know what you mentioned that my other problem with Mia is about her taking Pearl and, like, 
moving everywhere. You realize that she did that so that the private investigators wouldn't find her. The only reason they moved around that much, she said it was for her art, but you realize deep down it was so the people whose daughter technically, like like Pearl's technically someone else's daughter, they paid for her, kind of. I don't know, it's confusing. But like she only moved around so they would never find her. And that makes me so mad for Pearl because Pearl didn't have to go through that. That that was unnecessary. Also, I feel like when well, I guess she changed her last name because like when Pearl grows up and like is like she's not gonna want to move around when she's like out of college and stuff like that. Are they gonna find her then? But I guess it's Pearl Warren, not Pearl Wright. So yeah, I just I feel bad for Pearl the most out of all of this because I feel mm-hmm. like she didn't have a chance to be a kid. She was finally in a place where she was like thriving, and her mother just ripped her out. And yeah, I just felt like I just felt so bad for her. My grandmother just texted me that she can't wait to see the kissing booth number three. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know she saw one or two. (laughs) (laughs) So I was reading the back cover and it said that the author grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Shaker Heights, Ohio. So Shaker Heights, is it a real place? Like, do we need to move to Ohio? Um, I'm from Ohio. (laughs) Did you know that? I did know you were from the Midwest, but I I thought you moved around a lot. Yeah, I mean, I did. I lived in Mason, Ohio for six years. I don't know where Shaker Heights is, but Mason's a couple hours south of Cleveland. We'll have to visit one day. Do you believe that the best communities are planned? Oh, I don't really think about that on any level at all. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) I think, I mean, it's working for Shaker Heights. I, I would plan a city. I would vote to a city that's planned. Are cities even planned? I don't know. I guess I, I don't know how it works. I feel like cities are just kind of like, oh, you, you build a road, it has a bunch of shops, and then more people build like build their houses near there, and then like, boom, you have a city. But maybe it doesn't work like that. And... So have you ever seen Parks and Rec? I have not. Oh, my gosh. You made me watch The Office this past winter. I, I know, I know. one show. I mean, I, I'll watch Parks and Rec next busy season. Okay. Parks and Rec is similar humor to The Office, though it's it's different. It's, like, I think goofier, I would say. But there's a guy in the show who's a city planner named Mark, and he, like, plans the cities. But one of my favorite episodes from that is where these people from Brazil, I guess, I think it's Brazil, um, they, they come to visit and they're like called sister cities. It's Pawnee, Indiana and Brazil and the Brazilians come to visit and they look at the town and they go, oh, this city was planned. Really? You planned the city? Oh, because like, like American cities really aren't planned. I mean, it's kind of how you said there's some water. People start doing some trade. Some buildings go up, some houses. People move a little outside of the city and boom, that's a city. But in other countries, I think they actually do plan cities. And in smaller towns, maybe they plan the cities. I've never been in one that I was like, yes, this city was definitely planned. I wonder if New York City was planned. Probably not. I feel like not because it's on the water. So this book talks about a lot of mother-daughter relationships. Which one did you find the most compelling? Or like, I guess which one did you relate to and which one did you envy uh i didn't like any of the mother-daughter relationships i like i guess me and pearl were probably somewhat the healthiest because 
I don't know. It's just like a, a gut feeling, I guess. But like, like, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like my relationship somewhere in between me and Pearl and Lexi and Mrs. Richardson. Like, I feel like Lexi and Mrs. Richardson has like a fine relationship where they act like a normal mother and daughter and like they get along and they don't argue. But they don't ever show, like, affection to each other. I don't really... Like, I know, like, Miss Richardson loves her kids, but I feel like I never heard her say, like, oh, I love you to your kids, or, like, hug her kids, or want to hang out with her kids, besides, the, like, one dinner with Lexi. And, yeah, they have dinner every night with their family, but I feel like there was never, like, a bonding between the mom and the kids, because they were always so busy with work. Whereas yeah. Mia and Pearl were, like, too much, where they are like, cuddling every night, and... um. I feel like they're like a different mother daughter relationship. Uh, so I feel like I'm somewhere in between where like I get along with my mom, like we have a really good relationship, but like we're not. And like I come home and I don't see her for like two weeks, and I come home and like I give her a hug because I miss her, but I don't sleep with her every night. Yeah, I. Uh, the thing you said though about Mrs. Richardson not like bonding with her kids or whatever, I kind of have a similar vibe, but I would say Pearl shed some light on, like, the Richardson household, and she actually said that, like, Mrs. Richardson would hug her and be affectionate with her, just like she was affectionate with her other kids, and that her own mom, Mia, didn't show those same sort of tendencies. Like, did you pick up on that? I forgot about that part, but that doesn't make any sense, because it isn't, like, do you remember that one part where Lexi slept over Mia's house, and they were sharing the bed, and Mia's, like, just, like, petting her daughter. <laughs> yes, I remember that. So, Vividly. That doesn't make any sense, then, because I, I did forget about the whole kiss on the head, though. So, I don't know. I think, I think maybe it's, like, a grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. Like, Pearl wanted to be one of the Richardson kids, and maybe couldn't appreciate what her own mom was offering her, whereas, like... You know, Lexi trusted Mia's mom, or <laughs> Lexi trusted Mia more than she trusted her own mom, and like just kind of one of those situations where you always want kind of what you don't have, and so you can't appreciate the things you have. That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Another thing that bothered me about Mia was like she got mad at, she was like kind of mad that Pearl was hanging out the Richardson so often, and thought that they were like kind of rubbing off on her in the wrong way. When I feel like it wasn't, I feel like it was, like, Pearl's first time seeing a real family in a real environment, like, a very stable home, because yeah. Pearl was not used to that. And I just didn't like how Mia got a job at the Richardson so she can watch Pearl. Like, I just feel like that's just weird. It was all overall just weird. Yeah, it was, like, a lot. Uh, yeah. I get, I get it. Like, I feel like Mia's probably just so paranoid that she, like, wants to be with her daughter 24-7. She's in high school. You can't be with her twenty four seven. You have to trust her. But she's over at her friend's house. Like she's gonna be fine. And I really didn't think the Richardsons were that bad of an influence on her. Yeah, no, I agree. I Mia was a little yeah, like maybe she was overprotective because of the whole thing with stealing the child <laughs> and worried someone was gonna take her child from her. But also just because she was giving Pearl such an unconventional life, I bet she was jealous that the Richardsons maybe had a stable life and she didn't want that to influence Pearl and make Pearl think her life was worse. Maybe like maybe that played a factor in it, but I didn't like how she got a job just to like spy on her daughter. I was like, okay, that's kind of overbearing. I thought you were the cool mom, but you're kind of not being cool right now. 
I feel like, yeah, I definitely probably made Pearl want more things in life, but, like, isn't that good? Like, wouldn't you want her to want things in life so she would work hard to get those things? And I feel like Pearl had a pretty good head on her shoulder. Like, even when she went shopping with, like, Lexi, she, like, didn't overspend. She was just, like, pretty with her money. She even showed Lexi what a thrift shop was and bought cheap clothing. And I feel like Pearl really made the most of what she had. And she was a pretty happy kid, even despite her, like, basically having nothing and going to a household that has everything. Like, she seemed, like, pretty chill about it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, I really want to read her other book, but I need a break from the darkness. I need some sunshine. On the way home, on the train home, I actually started one of another Candy Steiner books because I had them on my Kindle, and I was kind of feel like out pulling out a book. I don't know. I sometimes just look through my Kindle on the train, and I was like, I just want like a happy love story. Like I just read this really sad book Aww. about mothers losing their children and people kidnapping babies and fires. I'm like, I just want a happiness. So I started reading that book, but I know we're gonna start. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Yes. So if you're listening to this, it's our next podcast book. But uh, yeah, I just need some little happiness. I might read that more tonight. Or I might just not. I guess I get my happiness from my TV show. I guess I don't need to read a book about happiness. Yeah, I am not reading happy books right now at all. The book I'm currently reading. Wait, what's it called? Then She Was Gone. It's very dark. Like the, the daughter at 15 is kidnapped and presumed dead and so it's like it picks up 10 years later and as I'm reading it I'm like I really could use a happy book because this is a little too real well now you're in my kindle account and I have 20 love stories on that kindle yeah they're all hey, Candy Steiner your... <laughs> <laughs> honestly her books are so good and happy and fast-paced and just they're, they're a great light summer read. Or a fall read, because I feel like most yeah. of them do consist in fall. No, I, I love her. Like, I feel like she's a good in-between reader when I'm reading, like, multiple back-to-back Seth books. I'm like, I just need to spruce <laughs> it up. I need, like, a palette cleanser of happiness. I actually <laughs> just ordered one of her books in paperback, because I only have her books in on my Kindle, because... I either get them sent to us or they're on sale or like she's sometimes I like, feel like I get an email. It's like for free. So I feel like I have so many on my Kindle, but I was like, I just want a paperback of hers. I just like for as an author. So I ordered one. It's going to come in the mail tomorrow, but I don't think I'm going to read it. I'm, I just started another one of hers. It wasn't even that dark, dark of a book. This book was, it was just dark compared to what I usually read. I guess I, I read too many romance books and I want to change that. Like I, I want to, I want to read more mysteries. I want to read more contemporary fiction. I want to read more real books. I just sometimes want rainbows and sunshine. I feel like this book wasn't so dark as it was just, there was so much substance to it. You know, like you said, each character had a backstory. The topics were controversial. Like it wasn't light, happy topics. It was just, real life controversy and even though it's like not probably the type of controversy we'll be involved in because we don't steal babies you know like it's motherhood and each I liked how each female character almost every female character with the exception of maybe Izzy had a kind of mother mother story like oh I guess Izzy did too because she had conflict with her mother so they each had their own separate mother storyline uh or somehow related to being a mother or a woman I guess you could say and that was just like deep and complex and controversial and yeah substance I feel like I figured you would like this book because the ending was not happy yeah I I mean I didn't like the ending 
I was mad about the ending, but I think that makes it a good ending. ending. What were you mad about? The baby stole the baby. But besides that, were you happy with the other things? Oh, what other things? Were you happy that Izzy set the house on fire? Were you happy that Izzy left? Were you happy that Mia moved? I didn't actually like Izzy. I don't know. uh, Did you like Izzy? I felt for her. I didn't particularly like her. I liked her in the end. Did you? Did you like that she set the house on fire? No. I liked her how she was piecing together everything. Oh, oh, okay. She was seeing it all logically, like the whole Pearl and Trip situation, the movie situation, and like situation. Like she, I feel like she was the only one seeing the big picture that it wasn't Pearl who got the abortion. I don't know. I feel like she kind of caught everybody and all their lies and all all their seeking around. I feel like Izzy was the one who like pieced everything together. And for like a freshman in high school, like that's pretty big. I felt bad because I feel like she just felt like she didn't belong her whole life. I don't support her setting her whole house on fire because it's Same. a little crazy. I do feel bad because I feel like her mother just, like, I know her mother said she's going to look for her. But, like, if I ran away, my mother would be driving, like, a crazy woman around town until she found me. I actually, one time, I didn't run away, but I just stayed out past curfew. My mom drove around like a crazy person to find me. And this, she just moved. The, I know, like, the house is on fire. And then she just, like, walks away and moves into a new house. She's like, I'll look for, I'll look for Izzy eventually. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To, to be fair, though. You missing curfew, it sounds like it was a big deal. It sounds like you didn't miss curfew. Izzy was kind of a wild child. Like, she, even Moody said, like, she didn't play by the rules. She acted out. Even, like, I was really mad when she smashed the soda can against Moody's face because a a tin can could cut you and could have left him with, like, stitches or serious bleeding. I thought she was kind of violent, and I didn't. That's not an appealing quality to me. It's one thing to be fiery and calculated. Like, I thought Mia was very calculated, manipulative, maybe. Goes after the things she wants, and she doesn't care if it's going to hurt other people, but she doesn't do it in a violent or vicious way. It's kind of, she believes right is right, and she does what she thinks is right. Izzy, to me, is potentially going to be bad for society. (laughs) Like, I would be scared to encounter someone like Izzy because you don't know when she's going to snap and act up and set your house on fire. So I did not like Izzy. Even if you say she's a sympathetic character, like, oh, her mom was mean to her. It doesn't excuse a violent behavior. No, I get the slapping of the can was, I'd be like a hand would have been fine. But I also like, in that moment, you're, I was pissed at Moody too, like he was being a jerk. I, I wouldn't, I don't support the slapping in the can and, and, and any violence. I don't, I never, I never hit anybody before. But I feel like all her action was, I feel like she was just so young and so angry and she felt so helpless and she just rebelled in whatever way she possibly could. And yeah, it was to the extreme, but like I get it. I mean. It's not that her mother was just mean to her. It was like her mother put her down every single day of her entire life. Mm, I guess. I don't know. I feel like that really affects children in a long way. When they grow up and your mom's like perfectly nice to all three of your older siblings. And then to you, you're like, well, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just. We don't have to agree. I don't support Izzy and her crazy rebellious things although I did like when she did the whole toothpicks in the door thing because that teacher was really mean but and it was just like kind of a high school prank but I don't support her like rebellious like almost the house on fire but I do feel for her she does 
she has nowhere to belong. She has no one. The one person she can talk to was Mia, and Mia was leaving. Yeah, I get that. I just don't agree with how she rebelled, and I just don't sympathize with her. But I get what you're saying, but I still don't like her. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that was that. Is there anything I'm missing about this book that we did not talk about? I feel like there's probably definitely stuff because this book was jam-packed. As much as it was only 330 pages, I I read it slow. I don't know if I was just, like, in a mood this week or that's the fact there's just so much to like unpack in each page that like I just need to sit there and like think for a minute and I feel like I couldn't read this book tired like I had to be semi-awake to pay attention to the details because if you miss like a page like you are just lost yeah I mean there's so much you could unpack but I mean I guess the only other thing would be the whole Lexi Bryan situation I was pissed that he was no children I that was so uncomfortable to me like she was being so cute and if she hadn't made up her mind yet, but she was like broaching the topic of maybe babies, maybe babies. And he like shot her down and he had no idea that she was pregnant. And I was like, guys got to own up. I mean, he didn't know. And any 17 year old boy is going to say that. He'd been dating her for two years, though. But they are 17. I could probably ask my brother now at 19. He would be like, no babies. Like, boys don't think like that. No, I mean, I don't want babies either. Why is your girlfriend suddenly bringing that up? Didn't he maybe have a clue? Maybe with all the unprotected sex they've been having? Like, maybe? No, boys are dumb. Oh, they are so dumb. And also, Lexi was obsessed with babies before she was even pregnant. Like, for months, she was talking about that one baby, Maribel. So, like, I think... I would. I think his reaction was reasonable for a 17-year-old boy. Like, any girl would be like, oh, my God, I love babies. He'd be like, don't think about it. I think Lexi should have told him. If she really wanted yeah. to own up, she should have just said it. It just made, made me... him go with her. I know. It just made me so sad for her because she might have been really excited to have that baby. But she literally, I feel like she let a boy decide what she was going to do. Her the father fact would that... never have let her anyway, though. Have the baby? You heard her mother at dinner. She's like, we don't do that. We don't have babies before college. I feel like it'd be different, though. I feel like it was a wake-up call for her. Brian was like a wake-up call to her realizing, snap out of this reality, or like baby crazy. You are 17 in high school. I guess that's a good I don't think she was thinking of that at that point. So I feel like it felt bad for her. I feel like, yeah, that's a really shitty feeling. But I feel like she kind of needed to hear it because... I, she was just like oh we can just like raise a baby in the house and like you guys both are in high school you have no house and your brother is Mr. your brother is Miss Perfect with a big white fence in the front yard you think she's gonna be cool with that yeah I guess uh, I don't know this whole book I'm like feeling sad now as we talk about this I'm shocked we're not fighting more I think it's just because the book is what it is I'm mad about things and sad about things and you're mad about things and sad about things I don't know. I feel like this book kind of, like, I wasn't sad about it until we actually started talking about it. And now that I think about everything, everyone had a really bad story. No one is happy, which I knew, I knew when it ended, no one really had a happy ending. If you really start digging in the weeds of it, and, like, thinking about the pictures Mia left at the end, like, I just keep thinking of the picture for Lexi and how there was that weight in the net and it's a weight that she has to carry the rest of her life and I'm like each one of these characters has a weight that they have to carry and it's just sad oh it's 
I don't want to argue with you. I'm just sad. <laughs> no one photo that I, I guess like that only one that I really kind of remember, I kind of forgot them, was the cage one for Miss Richardson and the gold feather in the middle. Do you think the gold feather was Miss Richardson or Izzy? I thought it was Mrs. Richardson. I, I mean, I think you could say it's both. But to me, I think Mia left that picture saying it's time for you to break out of the cage and become the, you know, the golden feather, (laughs) become the golden whatever that you're going to become. I I felt like she left it for Mrs. Richardson as Mrs. Richardson, but you could also say she left it for Mrs. Richardson to remind her that her daughter is just like her. So I I can see it either way, but I want to believe it was supposed to be Mrs. Richardson. Yeah, I guess it could be both. Um, I kind of viewed it as Lexi, but I, I mean, I think it was just kind of both. You know, her pictures are really powerful. That's why another reason why I want to watch this show, because I want to see the pictures in real life, and I wonder if they're going to, like, show them. Yeah, the interpretation. Yeah, I'm just curious, because I, I feel like the author definitely had a say in the interpretation, so I really am curious to see how everything is portrayed. So I will keep you posted. I'm probably going to watch it, actually, after this. The book is something you would read for high school. I think it's really good to get you thinking about things. It's good to do like little mock debates. Good for a podcast, but it's not one I want to read again, actually. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't want to reread this. This is not like something I want to dive back into because it's not like a world that you dive into. I mean, I guess you could say Shaker Heights is a world you could dive back into, but it's not one I want to dive back into. No, I agree. I don't think I would want to read this again. Uh, it's just not a place you escape to. It's a place you. It's a place you learn from, mm. and I think it would be a really good English book. I. I don't think high schools would really be reading this because it does have some like topics in it that they probably don't want to encourage, but like Arsenal. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just gives me English high school vibes. But good book. Really good writing. Really like really good job on the author's part. We have to rate it. Yes, we have to read it. I'm going to give it a 4.2. Ooh, interesting. I forgot the decimal system. <laughs> I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 4.3. Writing is a 5. Story is a 3. I think it's a 4.25 in average. So, so basically we're kind of since we're a little bit less busy with work, well, me, me, Marissa, not so much. We are going to try and read a book every week. So our next book is the is it the Invisible Life of Addie Larue. Yep, I got it as our book of the month pick for October, and we've seen it all over Bookstagram. I feel like everyone's been saying it's the most anticipated book of the year, so we're super excited to read it. And then after that, we're going to read A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. We're going to try to get both books out before Halloween. I don't actually know if The Invisible Life of Addie Larue is, like, spooky or not. I do not know. I Yeah, I really don't know. I forget what the synopsis is. I kind of just like the cover a lot, and I keep hearing good things about the book. Yeah. But I do know that Good Girls Got a Murder is about a murder and um, a mystery book, so that will be kind of our spooky vibe. Let us know if you have any more book recommendations. For October, we're going to try to do spooky, but for November, we're going to do love in French. <laughs> Specifically, French. But thank you for listening as much. Let us know what you think of this book. Let us know... If you love this book, if you watch the show, give us all your opinions. And we hope you have a great day wherever you are. We look forward to hearing from you guys.